You know those conversations you have with your friends about politics and life and parenting? And because we think ours are so insightful, we figured we'd broadcast them to the world. I'm Natalie. I'm Amanda. And we're Two Mamas and a Microphone. Today we are talking, we wanted to start off by talking about toxic people because we were kind of casually having that conversation this morning. And what do you do about toxic people? Especially when you're related to them. That's right. Or you, or you have to be around them for either through your work or your kids or some other aspect of your life. What is the answer? I mean, we were talking about the power of the block and blocking their texts text. and phone calls, Yeah, so, which I think is an amazing tool because it takes that anticipation away. And so when you're able to just disconnect mm. and not have to have that waiting consume yes. you, it, it's really a powerful. And I've even temporarily blocked, you know, yeah. and then I think, okay, I'm, 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 feeling stronger now. Right. <laughs> I'll unblock. Right. So even that temporary, like I'm not letting this person invade my space right. or that negativity into my world because negativity really does stop the creative process to a certain degree. It stop it can stop you in your tracks. It can start you being consumed by whatever it is that that person is feeding you or you know, disrupting you you're and literally taking the words out of my mouth i am disruption and being consumed absolutely it just it's more of a reactive type of situation than what's the opposite of being a reactive proactive proactive you're right and so what i learned over this past year i guess is that creativity really needs to be uh you need to be proactive to yeah. be creative. So all of those things that we react to, whether they're toxic people, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, even Netflix, it can be something that isn't really necessarily on its face negative. Um, it can really disrupt the creative process and creativity, which is really rewarding, thrives when you don't have disruption and when you're not trying to react to everything around you. So how do you do that in real life? Because as much as I'd like to say, I'm going to eliminate all distractions and disruptions and focus strictly on my creativity. In reality, it doesn't always work out that way. It's a great question because I can easily go down that rabbit hole of, you know, arguing with a toxic situation or a toxic person person and it can consume my thinking, which of course then takes me away from the creative act. I mean, one uh, thing that everybody talks about, but it's true, it helps is meditation. Yeah. And even if I meditate for two minutes, I meditate every day. Yeah. Because it does help me to determine what my intention is for that day. Right. So that's one tool. Um, you know, but then when negativity um, comes, you know, what do you do when that person says, hey, I want to talk about this. We need to talk about this. And it feels so urgent because they usually come to you with a sense of urgency. So it takes a lot of... Uh, 
I guess, self-control to not react to that urgency. Brilliant. That is brilliant. And actually, if you want to figure out who's toxic in your life, I would suggest you look around and find who has the most urgent problems. Mm, good point. And I'll bet you your point. And, and let's exclude our kids. <laughs> Is <laughs> that mean I'm toxic? I feel like my problems are always urgent. I'm texting you, know. you. It's urgent. I need yeah. your answer now. Or a hungry kid, right. like nothing more urgent right. than that. Right. But you know, excluding them, um, I I do think now that we're talking that if you want to find a toxic person, look for that person that demands your attention and demands you drop everything to right. give him or her that attention right. and makes you feel anxious and yes. stressed out when they do come to you it raises your blood pressure and doesn't listen to you know what you're saying so if somebody comes and says hey i have a situation you need to solve it right or you need to get involved and then you are talking and it feels like this kind of uphill battle like you're marching through you know pea soup or something probably best to disengage as hard as that is because really they want something other than your opinion they want something other than your help validation um, i would think they're it's a in a way like they're giving you a test that you have to pass and that's probably why it feels like you're trudging through pea soup because it's a test you'll never pass that's right they either want validation or they want you to do what they want you to do mm -hmm. so they don't want to hear what you have to say do what i want you to do right or say what i want you to say right so either way it's toxic and because it's not you and it's not your authentic self and it's not really part of your mission so i guess maybe the the one technique is disengagement. And then how do you disengage? You know, I definitely, I don't always block people, but I do hide alerts. And that way I can, if I decide now it's time to look at my texts, Yeah, I look at them. I don't get any kind of social media notification sent to my phone or my email or anything like that. Again, if I want to see my notifications, I go to it. Right. Same. I do the same. But you just gave me an idea. Maybe we all need to write our own personal mission statements. So if you have a mission statement, a personal mission statement, if you have a question about whether or not someone is toxic, you can just ask yourself, does this fit within my mission statement? I love it. And let's go a step further and say, let's talk about the people who you want to have in your life. Yeah. Right. I actually have a page in a book that, you know, I have these many notebooks and such <laughs> and I have a page of people who I want in my life. Yeah. People who I admire, mm -hmm. people who I want to be like. Um, you're in there. Oh, thank you. You know, my mom, my close friends, my mm -hmm. sister, Oprah. I mean, I feel like we have a relationship. <laughs> it may be one-sided right now. Right, but in the future, That's that right. might all change. And, and what qualities do they share? What qualities do you want the people to have. And mm -hmm. then if you have people that you either have to, you know, maybe they're teachers in your kid's life, or maybe they're work associates, or maybe um, they're part of some, some endeavor, you can limit your contact with them. Yeah. And maybe that's one technique is yeah. to um, not consider them part of your inner circle. So I think that that really requires us to create strong boundaries oh, to really um, define what those boundaries are 
so that we understand when someone is pushing us too far and we have that feeling like we're trudging through that pea soup and we're not really sure which direction to take, having those boundaries established will help us decide whether or not to continue to move forward or even to begin whatever the journey is in the first place that's, through the pea soup. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it requires us all to be self-aware and self-reflective. And maybe we do, we say, okay, does this person fit within my mission? Does this person fit within the people with whom I want to surround myself? Um, and my boundaries, do I feel a certain, I want to feel a certain way right. and I want to accomplish certain things. Is this taking me there or is it taking me further away? Maybe if it's taking you further away from what you want or who you want to be, the boundary goes yeah. up. Yeah. And you know, I think it also requires us to do the thing that it's hard to do for us human beings, and that is not be liked by everybody. Right. And that's what I was going to say. It really requires a lot of self-confidence as well, because we have to know that we don't want this person or this behavior in our lives or these feelings to have these feelings or thoughts in our lives. And so we need to know that we're okay with that. That's such a good point too, because I've been thinking, and this might be a, a tangent, but I've been thinking about self-confidence as it relates to women. People don't love self-confident women. They don't. You know? And so it takes self-confidence to have self-confidence and it takes owning your own power, not doing it in an egocentric way because our ego can also be our enemy. I mean, my ego can totally be my enemy, um, but but owning who you are and owning your power and being confident regardless. And I think in a way it also ties to a feeling of scarcity. So if you're not confident, are you not going to have as many friends as you want to have? Or, you know, in terms of business, if you're dealing with someone in your business or client, let's just say this is a, a potential client or existing client, whichever, and you need that business, you feel like you need that work. And if you do anything to push that work away, you're not going to get paid. And so then that creates a conflict as well. But at the same time, maybe it's better to say, no, I, I refuse to accept this client and I understand that I won't be making this money, but something else will come in to replace it. And it always does. It does. And you've just given me such a visual because what I was picturing as you were saying that is that we give away pieces of ourselves then. Yeah. And on. I was picturing us with like these little chunks taken out of us. And that's as, as we relinquish our power in order to feel that momentary thrill of being liked or appreciated, we do give away a piece of ourselves, And so maybe to be whole, we do have to expect that that abundance will be there right. even without this person. Right. And, you know, this might be a short-term gain, but at what cost? Yeah. At the cost of your mission, at the, you know, your self-worth. And because even, you know, we have to love ourselves. It's so trite, I guess, but we do. And so we're never going to get a deep feeling of validation from a momentary 
pat on the back. Yeah. I saw a headline the other day that said that quitting is the new form of self-care. So that can even be in relation to toxic people, quitting a person, not just quitting an activity that you got involved in because you felt like you had to get involved. I think as women, we have a tendency to overcommit and particularly to overcommit in areas of our lives where we're just giving our time or our abilities away because we feel like we have to. That is a great point. And I was thinking as you were talking that toxic people don't look and act bad. I mean, it's not like they're not enjoyable. And I think the challenge of understanding that you are with somebody who is toxic is that, you know, there are things that are charming about them. There are things that are enjoyable about them. So you have to have a certain level of discernment, both about them and about yourself um, in order to kind of create those boundaries, reduce toxicity, because I guess we can't eliminate it always because we do live in this world. Um, And then, it gets to what you and I were talking about earlier too, which is achieving balance. All of those things, staying true to your mission and removing those disruptions, not distractions. I mean, a distraction every now and then is good. Yeah. uh, But unhealthy disruption. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be a disruption that is associated with a toxic person. It can just be like a social media alert, like you were saying earlier. So I think, I don't know that there is such a thing as balance. I think that that's a really tricky type of state of mind or existence because every day is different. At least in my life, every day is different. So it's hard to expect a, a sense of balance. So I think it's just a matter of carving out little blocks of time where you can focus your attention specifically on one task. So this morning I was working on my website and I told myself, I'm not going to respond to texts. I'm not going to engage in conversations because it's so easy to start engaging in something other than that, which I decided I need to, uh, to engage in. Yeah. So it's a matter of creating that boundary and sticking to it yeah and just deciding really i guess a lot of life comes down to deciding making just deciding choices. that this is what you want yeah and you understand that other things might end up going to the wayside and in, in the meantime but eventually you'll get back to them that's and true it'll all be fine and then i think also surrendering i mean i i we've all you and i both have surrendered our schedule when it comes to uh the people that we deeply love who we're committed to because that is part of our mission. Right. So it's really understanding, okay, now I'm throwing it all out the window because this is, you know, something truly deeply important. Yeah. So it's recognizing that urgency doesn't always mean important. That's yeah. an old Stephen Covey thing. <laughs> I like um, that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? I'm going to just get, jump right into, you know, we always talk about a news story at the end of our podcast. And I don't know if this relates, you tell me, but this is the news story that has really stayed with me this morning. So in Brazil, there's this last wild macaw. Mm -hmm. And this macaw um, has no partner, is all alone, and keeps going to the zoo. Oh, no. And so, (laughs) isn't that interesting? (laughs) I am the macaw. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
the zoo is just a zoo and this and the macaw goes and watches the other macaws from a tree because they say macaws are very social and it doesn't like being alone and I don't know what this means or why I'm even bringing it up, but it's just been this this morning's story. So that is resonated. it willing to put itself in a toxic situation just so it's not alone? <laughs> Do you know what? Maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe it doesn't recognize it as a toxic situation. It's kind of like you were saying how when you look at a toxic person, you can't really tell. So I think I told you last week that I started going to therapy, which I love, by the way. Oh my gosh, maybe I should start. <laughs> it's it's really great because, and I don't, I'm not, and I shouldn't even say because because I don't know why. I don't oh, know what just, I don't know what has changed in my mind um, since I've begun therapy. I mean, I feel like I'm just complaining about my life for a whole hour straight sometimes. <laughs> but at any rate. What the therapist said to me was that when you look at, and we'll just use the word toxic for right now, since that's what we're talking about today. But when you look at a toxic person, you can't see that they're toxic. You know, you look at a physically disabled person that has some type of a disability or whatnot, you can immediately identify that person as disabled. But when you look at a toxic person, you can't identify them as disabled. There's no visual cue there. So it's really important for us to learn how to find those markers or see those markers that identify if a person or situation is toxic. So this McCall is looking at the zoo and doesn't really realize that this is a toxic situation for it. Um, unless, unless the McCall's like, my mission is to find a mate. I don't <laughs> care how. True, I get that. <laughs> but you know, the thing I think, I was thinking about therapy. I think that what ha what would happen to me, this is what I'm afraid of. It's the same as with a chiropractor. I'll make the analogy. So with therapy, I feel like I think I'm happy. Right. And so I think if I went to a therapist, I would go, oh my gosh, I'm a mess. I'm not happy. My life is a mess and I'm so afraid to uncover it, you know? So that's my resistance, perhaps. Plus I'm cheap, but whatever. Yeah. And then my the same thing with chiropractic. I'm so afraid that if I go to a, like right now, every, my bones feel fine. Right. And I'm walking around and I feel like if I go to a chiropractor, all of a sudden they're going to like do something and I'm going to go, you know what? My back is a mess. Well, I feel the same way about a chiropractor. I am definitely nervous about going to a chiropractor. I feel like whatever my back situation is, it's just going to end up getting worse if I go to a chiropractor, which with a therapist initially is the case because you do have to go back through everything. And so it does bring up a lot of repressed memories and feelings and thoughts. And so for the first several sessions, you don't feel better. You definitely feel And you worse. know my Enneagram <laughs> likes to feel good. Right, exactly. So you will definitely revolt <laughs> in the first few weeks. Yeah. But eventually it becomes lighter. It starts to feel a little bit lighter, yeah. Yeah. but you know, I'm only on like session six. So catch me again. Well, hey, listen, sessions and I'll tell I you. think if you got lighter by session six, that's a good thing. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. So what have we left you all with today? Avoid toxic people, seek a therapist. We're not sure about the chiropractic, <laughs> but you know, you do you <laughs> and, um, create create your mission statement. Maybe if you don't have one, and even if you do revisit it, revisit the type of person you want to be 
and the type of person you want to be around. Yes. Maybe take a side trip of who you don't want to be around or yeah. markers. I love that your therapist said what markers yeah. make up a toxic. I made that up all by myself. That was I take good. That. Thank you. <laughs> I like it, Natalie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so that was a great day. I enjoyed talking with you this morning and uh, we'll see you all next week. Two mamas and a microphone out. <laughs>